Over the last couple of weeks, we've been beginning just to look deeply into Scripture about what is heaven like. I hope you've been getting a more concrete picture of heaven being more than just floating on clouds, but it's a place where we walk with God in a real place with real bodies. There's always though been a, a critique of people who start thinking of heaven a lot. It was first said by a brilliant scholar, Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. He said, some people are so heavenly minded, they are of no earthly good. It was later saying by another brilliant man, Johnny Cash. And what's the picture? The picture is if, if we become heavenly minded, that we just live lives that are sort of zoned out. That we're not living in this earth, we're living in another world. Famous preacher Dwight Moody was once walking up to a church to preach and someone came up beside him and said, what are you preaching on tonight? He said, I'm preaching on heaven. They said, oh, I'm so disappointed. I I thought we'd come here to hear something practical. What I want you to know this morning is that heaven is not simply a doctrine for us to affirm. It's a truth for us to live out. That our belief in what will happen when Jesus returns changes what we do with, for Jesus right now. In fact, C.S. Lewis has a great retort to that original quotation. He says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most in the present world were those who thought most of the next. Not say to you, it's Christians who elevated the outlook on women. It's Christians who came against slavery. It's Christians who built the hospitals. It's Christians who go to the most impoverished parts of our world. It's Christians who adopt the most children. It's Christians who go to the scenes of incredible hurricanes and tornadoes and do the work. You see, as C.S. Lewis would say, those who are the most heavenly minded do the most here on this earth. Now today we're going to give this a pretty good test because today is Senior Sunday. And so the question I want to ask sort of behind this message today is, if we have seniors who leave here, who go to college campuses and go to jobs, and are heavenly minded, how would it change their life then? What a radical idea, this young age, for them to to leave and to say, I am going to set my mind on things above. What would that do? In fact, we're going to look at that passage. One of our seniors, Elias Afonga, to come up here and He's going to read through this passage for me. If you have your Bible, go to Colossians chapter 3. And um, I'm going to have Elias read through this and just sort of help us to get a handle on this. Doesn't Elias look sharp today? No doubt. How about that smile? That's sweet. All right, Elias, sorry about that. Okay. Please, Elias, read us the first four verses, all right? All right. Colossians chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I love what he says here. Some of the older translations would say, you fix your heart, you fix your mind, you set your mind, you set your heart on things above. And in just a moment, Paul follows this by being very practical about life. It reminds me a little bit of someone that might have been named this week in the NFL draft. 
just that one calling out of their name will absolutely change their, their life. But, but I believe it's that vision they had of one day being up there on that stage that changed some of the things they did the years before. There are certain things they cut out of their lives. There are certain things they added to their life to finally one day get to that point to be named. And what Paul's going to say to us in this passage is, when we get our focus on who we are and what we'll be a part of in heaven, it changes life right now rather radically. Let's read verses 5 through 10. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in a life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. You think Paul could have got any more practical of the difference that being heavenly minded makes in some of the things that you would cut out of your life? You're not going to see this on the screen, but Elias is now going to read some things in verses 12 through 14 of the things we need to add to our life because we're heavenly minded. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance towards someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see what Paul's doing here? She's saying, you know, once you, your life is been buried with Christ and raised with Christ. Actually, the beginning of this chapter is very baptismal language. He's still going back to to verse 13 in chapter 2, where he said, when you came to Christ, you were buried with him, you were resurrected to a brand new life, and now you have your mind set on heaven, and these are the things that are going to change about your life. You're going to get rid of a lot of things that don't remind you of Jesus, and you're going to add the things that do remind you of Jesus. In fact, it will change every area of your life. Elias, read one more verse Read verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, Elias. What a powerful passage there. In the long run, long run being heavenly minded is actually can change everything you think and do and feel. It can change everything about your life. You see, what I want to say to you today is a phrase that normally we say rather negatively, heaven help us. You know, if, if, you know, if the war in Ukraine, if we, we thought the war in Ukraine was about to get world war or, or nuclear warfare was involved, we would exclaim, oh my goodness, heaven help us. But today I want to use that phrase in a very positive sense, that heaven will help us. Say that with me. Heaven will help us. I want to give you four ways that being heavenly minded can change your life here on this earth. Number one, heaven helps us to line up. You see, our mission is to bring heaven to earth. Whatever is in heaven is what we pray about coming to earth. And so as the passage we just studied says, because of that, there are certain things that don't belong in heaven. 
A lot of the things that Elias just read us about malice and anger and a lack of forgiveness and sexual immorality and idolatry, those things won't be in heaven. And so as God's people, we know they don't belong here. Reminds me of an old story of a college student. It wouldn't happen today because it's too easily accessible. But he went off to college. Wife, his mother dropped him off at the dorm. Everything seemed to be okay. She went back about a month later just to, to check on him. When, when she went up to visit his dorm room now, she was absolutely appalled because he had pictures of, of naked women all across his dorm room. And she just put her head down and walked out of the dorm and got in her car and left and didn't quite know what to do. When he came home for Christmas, she thought, I've got to do something. I don't know what to say. So she wrapped up a picture of Jesus. Then she said, I want you to put this on your dorm wall. Put this, please. And he did. And so later in the spring semester, she goes back to see him. She's scared to death to walk in his dorm room, worrying so much about what she may see. She walks in the dorm room, and there's the picture of Jesus. And all the other pictures are gone. And so she, she can't help herself now. She says to her son, what happened to all those other pictures? And he said, once Jesus was on the wall, none of that other thing, none of those things belonged. And guys, when we talk about being heavenly minded, when we begin to have a picture of what God wants, not only in heaven, but on this earth, it changes some things. There's some things in our life that just don't belong. And there are other things that Paul says we're going to put on. And all the things Paul mentioned in that section, humility, gentleness, compassion, kindness, patience, forgiveness. Man, those are the virtues of love, the virtues of what is going to make up heaven. So I want to say to our seniors today, to live for God will mean that your life looks different. That you will seek to line your life up with different values. In fact, listen to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17. You say that God is your father, but God doesn't have favorites. He judges all people by what they do. So you must honor God while you live as strangers here on this earth. Understand this. This world is not our home. In fact, Peter says here, we are actually strangers here. And if I could take it a step forward, uh, I would say we're actually pretty strange And as we talk to our college students today, I want to say to you today that if you have heavenly values, your views are going to seem strange. Your views on what it takes to be happy. You don't believe to be happy, you've got to be drunk with wine. You believe what the scripture says, you need to be filled with the spirit. Your purpose in life is is more than just living for the weekend, it's actually living for Jesus. Your views on money will seem strange. You're not going to pick a major just because how much money you'll make. You're going to pick a major because of what you could do for people. And your views of people will change. Paul would say we regard no one from an earthly standpoint. We, we don't put people in categories. We don't go to a college campus or a job place and only hang out with people who look and act and think like us. No, we're on a mission for God. We know the greatest investment we can make is in people. You're going to be different in your sexual ethics. That may stand out bigger than anything else. We live in a world that says more than ever before, if you feel it, do it. It doesn't just say if you feel it, do it. It says if you feel it, you are it. 
And to stand up for biblical ethics that say sex belongs between a man and a woman in marriage. I'm going to tell you, you are going to be strange. But your values are going to line up with the values of heaven. Number two, heaven helps us. I love this one. It helps us to chill out. Anybody need that this morning? P- Peter said, one translation puts 1 Peter 1.17, that this is our temporary residence, guys. This is not home. This is temporary. It's like when I go into a hotel room, I don't really look at the decorations. I might, I might notice them, but I don't get uptight about them. You know, I'm going to be there three days. I don't go, you know what? I better get to Home Goods and buy some new pictures. These are, <laughs> these are really bothering me on this wall. No, I know this is just a temporary place. I can chill out about how badly it might be decorated. And guys, when we are heavenly minded, we can be some chilled people. Listen to me. Listen closely. We live in a culture of overreaction. If, if, if I disagree with you politically, I've got to demonize you. If I go to a restaurant and I don't like the food, I need to get on Facebook and post it. If I'm unhappy with some kind of service to my house, I'm going to take you to court. We overreact. And we've got 12 networks that keep us worked up. Listen to me, friends. Don't pay too much attention because the reason they make money is they get you worked up to be angry. And so, guys, we're going to be the people who who we don't get so uptight about everything. We're going to ask the old question, what will it matter a hundred years from now? Think about how that would change your life. Sometimes I get sort of uptight in traffic. Any of you guys... I'll tell you what I really hate, is, and it happened to me this morning, is when you're at a, a, a red light, a, a turn signal light, and the turn signal green comes on, and the car in front of you, it's obvious they're texting. <laughs> and, and they go through the whole cycle, you know? I'll confess to you the other day, I was getting on the interstate at Ann Street, you know, and, and it happened. I blew my horn. And guys, I was five cars back. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't quite help it. I'm not proud of that. Because guys, that, that's what this lesson says to anybody. Could you not chill out for one more cycle of the light? And guys, we can chill out because we know something everybody doesn't know. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 to 18 here. Now, Paul says, for our present troubles are small. You believe that? And won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outshines them and will last forever. My friends, look at the next verse. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. That'd be pretty radical, wouldn't it? Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Because we know the temporal things and we know the eternal things. We know the trivial things and we know the important things. And so we're the people who don't get so uptight. In college, you're going to experience a day where in one day you could have your best moment in life and your worst moment in life. But what would be so cool is if you're not as reactionary 
and is negative and is complaining to the people. How about, how about if you actually went to the college cafeteria and bragged on the food? You'd probably be disfellowshipped from your friends, right? You're just not supposed to do that, no matter how good it is. How about, parents, close your ears right now. How about if you don't make such a good grade on a test? And you don't just completely freak out. Leave him alone, okay? (laughs) How about if when your girlfriend dumps you for the third time, you don't go into a panic? Because you trust God. And you know he's going to take care of that. So listen, my friends, and some of us adults in here may need to hear this more than our, our high school seniors. We've got to chill out about some of the things going around us because we know there's a day when it's all going to be made perfect. Number three, heaven helps us to speak out. When people notice your different reactions, it's going to open a door of opportunity. When you don't freak out over every grade, when you don't freak out over every, you know, breakup, when everything life will throw at you. You see, guys, I mean, Satan's going to do everything he can to, to unalign you. That was our first point about being lined up. I mean, you know, in a car, if you hit a pothole or you, you drive over a curb, you might knock your car out of a line. It just doesn't drive right. I'm going to tell you, Satan's going to put some potholes in your life. There's going to be lots of them. And you're going to hit a lot of curbs. And the difference for you will be, and for me will be, is how do I react to those things? And guys, when people see that we don't react the way the world reacts, because we know, you know what? This life could stink, and I'm still okay because Jesus is coming back. I mean, look at what Peter says in the middle of a book about Christians being persecuted. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. What's he saying? When you're different. Guys, when you've got peace, listen to me. I heard this incredible statistics the other day. In the last year, one out of every six teenagers has thought through their suicide. We live in a world where people are messed up. But in Jesus, we have something they don't have. We have hope. We can have peace, not just when things are going right. We can have peace in the storm. And when that happens and people notice that, Peter says there's a good chance they may go, why are you so calm? Why are you so different? And guys, when they notice that you have a foundation to live your life on, that you have something you can believe in, You know, something going on with our young people growing up is they don't trust the news. There are too many different networks saying too many different things. There's too much fake news. And so they basically doubt anything that's said. You say, what's the problem with that? I don't believe the news either. It's that they're becoming super, super cynical. And so young people growing up, if the teacher gets up in class and says, there's five rows in front of you, they're not going to trust what she said. They're going to count them. And when authority says something, they're not necessarily going to take it, whether it's the government or somebody else. And so it's happened because this young, this group growing up doesn't believe there's anything you can trust. They've decided the way they change, choose their values in life is according to how they feel. 
So they make up their own values. Just think about if when you were 18, 19, 20 years old, if you were choosing your values by what you felt, what it would do. But that's where we've left our young people in the culture we live. But as Christian people, we do believe there's truth. We do believe there's standards. We do believe Jesus is the truth. We do believe his word is truth. We do believe there's something to build our life on. And it's not just my latest feeling. And again, that's going to be noticed. And you're going to be asked about it. And one more thing here, guys. Heaven helps us to hold on. It just helps us to hold on. Guys, because this next life, when heaven and earth combine, is going to be all good. It doesn't mean this life is all good. Believing the promise that paradise will be restored doesn't mean we're living in paradise right now. And I don't have to tell you that. You know that. But it's the hope that we have in Jesus that allows us to weather any storm. Some of you might be familiar with the book called Good to Great. And in that book, he was talking about how you handle difficult times. And they had interviewed Admiral Jim Stockdale. Stockdale spent nine years in a North Vietnam prison. He was tortured dozens of times. And they asked Stockdale why he was able to make it through this terrible time. And this is what they found out. He was able to survive because he kept an absolute confidence that he would make it through the current trial and come out stronger. Then they asked him a question. His answer was really surprising. Who were the people who didn't survive? He said they were the optimist. I, I didn't really like that. Because he said this is what happened. When they're in prison, they believed they'd get out by Easter. And then they believed they'd get out by July the 4th. And then they thought they'd be out by Thanksgiving. And when the new year rolled around and they were still there, they gave up. So we've ended up with what's called the Stockdale Paradox of how you live life. I think it's very biblical. You must retain faith that you'll prevail in the end regardless of the difficulty. And at the same time, you must confront the most difficult truth about the current reality. Guys, being heavenly minded doesn't mean you're living in la-la land. You recognize what's going on around you that's difficult. But at the same time, you know not only will God lead you through it, but God will make you better through it. So as Christian people, we don't give ourselves into silly, spiritual, glib answers like, hey, if you follow Jesus, you'll never have any problems. If you really surrender your life to Christ, you'll be healthy and wealthy the rest of your life. No, those answers don't work. Don't tell that glib answer to the parent that's lost their child. Don't tell that to the person who's terminally ill. Don't tell that to the people in our world who are perpetually poor. Don't tell that to the people who are losing their spouse slowly but surely to an awful disease. Don't tell that to the people of Ukraine who are being bombed into oblivion. Those tried answers don't work. But the real answers do. We know this world is not all there is. We know 
there is a moment when heaven will come down and heaven and earth will be combined. We know there's a moment when this earth will be purified. We believe that there's a day where the paradise that was lost in the Garden of Eden will be restored. And not only will we live in incredible beauty and bliss, we will walk in the cool of the garden with God. We know that. And brothers and sisters, because of that, we can hang on. So here's what I'd like to, like to change as we close. Our future home is a present help. You becoming heavenly minded is not going to take you out of where you are. It's going to make you do better where you are. I changed the phrasing of our first sentence. Some people are so heavenly minded, they do more earthly good. C.S. Lewis also said this. This is rather convicting. Some of you are old enough to remember a day when Christians talked a lot about heaven. Preachers preached a lot about heaven. And churches sang a lot about heaven. This is what he said. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. So let me ask you as we close. I've been focusing on our seniors, and I do want to commission you and challenge you that you leave this place as a heavenly-minded college student, a heavenly-minded worker. That sounds almost crazy. But if you'd get your vision on things above, it's going to make a big, big difference. But for us adults, I also must ask us, are, are you, am I, am I really heavenly-minded? Do I think about it? Do I dream about it? Do I celebrate what's going to happen? There's a world that's gone crazy and circumstances in life that always don't go my way. Does it dominate my thinking? Well, you could find out today from the four points we've made. Are your values lining up with the values of heaven? Is your life about bringing heaven to earth? Let me ask you, are you chilled out when people who don't know God are freaking out? You've got a calmness because you know God's eternal plan? Are you speaking out because you see a world that's gone crazy and people whose lives are being destroyed and damaged because they are doing whatever they feel? And yet you know there's hope in Jesus that you have to share. And can I ask you this morning, are you hanging on? I'm not here preaching this sermon about being heavenly minded, trying in any way to say to you that your life right now is perfect. I'm sure it's not, neither is mine. But are you not just like hanging on by a thread, but you're hanging on with a firm grip on Jesus Christ and the promises of God. And so whatever life throws you through His power and through the knowledge that in just a few moments, a wisp of air, heaven will be yours. If today you'd like to admit that you're not been heavenly minded, that this earth is dominating your thoughts and we could pray for you, please let us know. If today you're ready to be buried with Christ in baptism and raised, and, and Paul would say in 
Colossians 3, right off the bat, now that you're a new person, set your mind on things above. That'll change the rest of your life. If you need to respond, come right now while we stand and sing. Lord, I come.